everyone. Hi, and welcome to episode four of New File Old Game. I'm AJ Kellogg here with Mason O'Mara. Uh, so we're just here to talk about old video games that have been sitting on our shelf for a while. And we picked them up, played them, and we're just here to talk about them. So we're going to jump uh, jump around a little bit uh, back with some back and forth. And uh, actually, last week was our first set, first time we did a third segment where we shared playing the same game. Uh we're going to actually change that up from week to week. We kind of realized that there's a lot of video games to play and adding another one for us to play every single week kind of makes things a little difficult. Uh, so we're going to do a bunch of rotating segments. Like some weeks we'll uh, play a game together. Some weeks we might play a multiplayer game. Uh, this week what we're actually going to do is just give a quick update on the games that we've already talked about. Uh, if we hated them, did we still hate them through the end? If they were good, were they still good? Uh, so without further ado, I'll go ahead and start today. My game for this week is SteamWorld Heist. Uh, have you played that before, Mason, or any of the SteamWorld games? No, I've heard of them, but I've I've never actually played one. Yeah, so this is actually my first SteamWorld game. It's one of those things that I'm always just checking what new games are out, and I've been hearing, uh, I see a lot of things about that family of games. So there's like SteamWorld Heist, uh, SteamWorld Dig, <laughs> Uh, which I think is like an exploration game, and then SteamWorld Quest, which I think is a new RPG that just came out. Uh, so SteamWorld Heist originally came out December 10th, 2015, I think for like the 3DS and on Steam. Um, and then since then, I looked at the list. It's out for pretty much like every system, like um, Windows, Linux, <laughs> PS4, PS Vita, Wii U, Switch, uh, which is what I played it on. Um, so the setting, it's set in the future after the Earth has blown up, uh, and there's robots that were inhabiting the, the planet now live on, uh, live in space on spaceships, asteroids, bases, or old pieces of the Earth, uh, and you play as a group of steambots, which are, uh, like a Western or cowboy-style robot, um, and the main character is named Piper, she's the leader of, like, this group of bandits or outlaws, uh, it starts off, it's just you and another fight in your pilot, but you slowly get like get 10 party members in total by the end of the game. Um, did you ever watch? So it's the, the setting and the plot's a lot like, uh, did you ever watch Firefly? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I played that and within the first like two hours. It's like, oh, wow, this is like Firefly if it was with robots and they finished it. <laughs> like, nice. Kind of like that cowboy like side like outer space type thing yeah it's de- it's definitely got that vibe i mean you're uh it's obviously like you're a robot but it's it's set up with that same way where i remember in firefly there's like the center group of planets or asteroids or whatever that are like more posh and they're like kind of like the oppressive ruling class and then the outer planets or the outer areas uh, that's where like the rural or like the western style characters live and they're just either like uh robin hood style bandits trying to get by um or just like raiders, and there's like a lot of danger out in that area, and that's that's the the role you're put in. So it's like, oh, it's just like the cast from Firefly, essentially. Huh. Um, nice. Yeah. So I thought that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um. So the, so the gameplay, so the, the the plot and the setting overall, I mean, I think they're they're good, but they're not very deep. So the the main meat of this game is like the gameplay. So I picked it up because uh, I I've been I had my eye on it for a while, but I finally picked it up when I like find decided to watch like a gameplay video of how it actually worked. Uh, so the main gameplay mechanic is 
a procedurally generated 2D tactical, like, take-turn shooting battle, if that makes sense. So essentially, the game is divided up into missions. So each mission, you go in with your party members. The mission usually takes place on, like, some sort of base or spaceship, and there's cover everywhere. So you take turns moving all your party behind cover, and then you can... Uh, on each player, on each party member's turn, you like angle a shot, kind of like in Valkyria Chronicles, where you set up your shot. Like the, the the enemies aren't moving at the same time as you are, so you stop, you like angle your shot, and you um, just try and hit them until their health goes away. Hmm. Uh, yeah. So it's I thought it was pretty unique. Like I've never really seen anything like that. Like honestly, the closest thing I could think of is Valkyria Chronicles, where you have to. Um, you move on your own turn and then you just, you take aim and shoot. Uh, there's, they make it a little more interesting by giving some of the characters different abilities. Like Piper, the main character, her ability is she has like a laser sight attached to her gun and the bullets off of her gun ricochet. So you can like line up shots to hit someone that's like behind cover from a straight shot normally. Um, sure, sure. Yeah. And then there's like a tank character that has like a taunt or invincibility move. Uh, so he he taunts everyone and everyone comes around and attacks him, but he's also invincible at the same time when he does that. Um, and then some characters have guns that allow you to shoot like through people or cover, just to kind of change up the strategy a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, have That's you played anything? Cool. Yeah, have you played anything like that before? Um, I mean, other than Valkyria Chronicles, no. Um, mm-hmm. but I really like the idea of games that kind of like melds like. I mean, it doesn't sound like it's a shooter per se, but kind of like a meld, like a shooter-ish type game with an RPG. Yeah, like, I just think like, it's a really fun concept. Yeah, uh, there's there's like no reaction time involved. It's like you plan your move accordingly and just has an extra mechanic of like lining up your shot. Yeah. Um, yeah, like some um, some guns you have to like arc the shot to, and it was reminding me of Gunbound. I think that might be one of the games I sunk the most time into is Gunbound when we were in middle school. Yeah, I still talk to um, Sammy and Mia and like I have Jesper and like some of our friends like that we made overseas, like on that game. I still have them on like social media and occasionally say hi and stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I I stopped talking to pretty much all of them in middle school. Um, Yeah, I remember like that was like before uh, that game was before like MSN Messenger and like texting was a really big thing. So that's like was like the social that was like our social media for a while it was just us talking to the like these people that we met at gunbound on gunbound yeah it's yeah. really interesting it's getting a little off topic but like how that really i don't know kind of like gave a certain flavor to that game because like the uh communication was done like through the game you know what i mean yeah like you could instant message during it that was like the most fun part like i wasn't even good at that game mm-hmm. it was I was just trolling people or talking to people. Yeah, it almost like the gameplay was just something to do as you were just like hanging out with people, which is kind of interesting. I really haven't, I don't think, seen a game that kind of does that and like does it and market it, it like towards that type of thing. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I haven't seen a game come out that's just like, oh, hey, you're just kind of hanging out with each other. Oh, and you can also do this thing on the side. But yeah, it was like, it was like the real life world. Oh. Uh or the video game version of like what I imagine fishing to be, where it's just like, you know, you're just hanging out with people and something cool might happen in the background. 
Yeah, or like going to a bar and like playing darts. Like, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's fun, but like I'm really just here to hang out. Yeah. Yeah, and only one person can shoot at a time. I remember even like missing turns because I was like, I was typing something that was long. I was like, oh, I'd rather miss my turn than delete this paragraph I typed. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Um, yeah, so I mean, there's a little bit of that in it. It's it's very minimal. There's a lot of guns that do that, but that's what it reminded me of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, honestly, it's a pretty short game. I just beat it uh, two nights ago. Um, I wanted to beat it before we did before I did the episode on it because I thought it was something short enough. I could just get my like full opinion of it out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, overall, like I had a lot of fun with it. Um, the core mechanic of like taking turns and lining up your shots is it was pretty engaging. There was like enough different abilities to change it up so it didn't become super monotonous. Uh, again, like the plot, I thought it was what it needs to be. I think it's honestly like what Firefly would have uh, would have done if it finished. Like you start off uh, like you're on a raid with your other party member, and then you run these robots that are called scrappers for the rest of the game, and they're essentially these like pieces of di- of broken robots that have just been pieced together. So it's kind of like the Reavers and. Uh, in Firefly, where it's just like, oh, there's these like monsters out there, but then you're also fighting like the royals, which are the um, the oppressive ruling class. So you're like rebelling against them while also kind of like fighting monsters at the same time. Um, so it has again like that very similar plot point. Um, and then did you ever watch? Uh, did you ever watch Serenity, the like Firefly conclusion or whatever? Um. I remember me and Ashley checked it out and we started while I, I think I did, but I think I might've been like distracted and like was only like half paying attention, but I do remember watching it. And like, I remember most of the plot points from it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty similar to where like eventually you defeat the, um, you defeat the evil oppressive ruling class and you find out that they were like hiding some big secret, um, which I guess I won't spoil that part of the game. Uh, but it essentially takes place in three phases where you, one, you're fighting like the scrappers, one, you're fighting the royals, and then the third part of the game is like this this plot twist at the end of it that's kind of interesting. Nice. Um, yeah, there were, again, overall, I think I liked it. Uh, there were maybe like a few too many padding side missions. Like I think the game was the length that it needed to be because uh, while the core mechanic was cool, like it, that was pretty much what carried the game and it was starting to feel like a little bit old at the end of it. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it it held my interest the whole way through. Uh, My only like real critique for it is uh, there's, I thought there was like too much stuff for like how long and like too much extra stuff for like how long and deep the game was. Like you get like 10 party members and I like didn't use most of them because you were getting party members like two thirds of the way through the game. And I used to play, uh, when I used to play like JRPGs, I would play where I want every character to like be at the same level at all times. Yeah. And it just makes those games take longer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember like, that's why it took like, took like certain final fantasies, like forever for me to beat her. That's why I never like beat final fantasy 12 was because I was just always using the weaker character. So it just makes like the grinding last longer. Yeah. yeah. I kind of did the same thing. Like one, just cause it felt like appropriate from a story. Like I didn't want to like never use this like cool story character. Like I remember in 
I can't remember like who was good and who wasn't good in Final Fantasy VII, but I think I remember Vincent only being okay, but he yeah. was like really cool. So I'm like, oh, I gotta play Vincent. But like, I could tell like, oh, if I just use these three characters who are one my strongest and two just seem objectively better than everybody else, I could blaze through this game. But that's not what I want to do. Yeah, it's just like I want to like. With with a game like this or or Final Fantasy, like a lot of your experience with the characters actually using them, so you want to use like all the cool characters. Mm-hmm. I just I think I just didn't use Kate Sith because I was in Final Fantasy VII because I was like, eh. I don't think I did either. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's just kind of like this character seems like it was thrown in just to like make it be an even number of party members. Yeah, I didn't actually. I remember there though there was one point in the game where. I had to use Kate Sith and just one other person. I was like, well, <laughs> this is going to be really, really hard. Yeah. Yeah. I had to like grind for a really long time. I was kind of pissed at that. I don't think a lot of games do that anymore though. Yeah. It's pretty few and far between. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but again, I was disappointed because like each character in this game had like different abilities. Like the last one I got, like when there was only like a few hours left in the game, um, he had this. He was like really good at at melee attacks, so he could. Uh, so I don't know. So his whole thing was he he, uh, he was supposed to rush into the fray and like just hit people, which was like different than what I had been playing because I had just been playing very cautiously. Because if you lose a mission, you lose like half your money, or if anyone dies, uh, each mission like you get a rank of like one, two, or three stars, and if someone dies, you lose a star. So I played where. I just wanted to get every star in every mission, so I played like very cautiously. Um, so I was kind of disappointed that like, oh, I'm just gonna like stick with like the characters that I know because I know I can get through it. Um, so it's kind of paradoxical to where it was like too. Sh- it was, it was short, but I think it needed to be short. But then there was too much, too many like extra characters that like I wanted to use but couldn't. Um, there were also like a lot of guns too that had like a lot of different abilities, but you got like two new guns after beating every mission. And it was just like every time, every mission I was just cycling out guns. So I thought it was like a little much. Um, yeah. So, Oh, I, I guess one thing I wanted to note was there was like some, a couple funny details from the game. Like you get this treasure at one point, like it was a golden trophy and it was just the Heisman trophy. And the description of it was like a native earthling carrying its offspring to safety, wearing the traditional garbs for this act. And I just thought that was kind of funny. Um, let's see. Yeah, I mean, overall, uh, overall, I thought it was pretty fun. That's that's pretty much what I have to say about it. It's a pretty short game. I definitely recommend it. I think I only paid like ten dollars for it. Um, yeah. Do you have, do you have anything else to add, Mason? Yeah, I guess one question that I had before I moved on was, um, it looks like there's you know like a handful of different Steam World games. Uh, I don't know if you've looked into the other ones, but are they pretty similar? Does playing this one make you want to go back and play any of those? Or do you feel like you probably got enough with just this one? Yeah, uh, that's actually a good question. So I, I've i been looking at the other ones. I kind of want to play SteamWorld Dig because that just looks like a fun short explorer game. And again, these games all look... Uh, I look at how long to beat.com before I play most games. And they're all like maybe like 10 hours long. I think uh, SteamWorld Heist was only supposed to be like 12 hours long, but I took a bit longer because I wanted to like get perfects on all the missions. Uh but no, I was definitely like impressed. Uh, it was like a nice, it was a nice mechanic. It had like a good, lighthearted feel to it. Um, the plot and the like, the characters weren't like super developed, but that wasn't really the point of the game. 
and I've I've just heard I mean I've just heard good things about the other ones. So I haven't played any of them yet, but they're going to be on my list now. Nice, nice. Yeah. No, cool. I definitely like the I like the aesthetic and the hand drawn art style, which goes through to all the games, and they all take place in like the same universe. I'm pretty sure. Oh, nice. Are the stories yeah. connected at all, or is it just kind of like loosely connected? I, don't think, I think it's loosely connected. I think it's like just the same universe, but I know SteamWorld Dig is about like your miner robot, so you're like mining and digging, uh, as like the name SteamWorld Dig implies. And they like mention like it's either like they, they mention something, I think, in SteamWorld Heist where it's like, well, it's either doing this or working in the mine or something like that. So like they definitely both exist in the same universe. That's cool. Yeah. So, what's uh, what's your game for this week, Mason? Okay. So, I have a question, and okay. I can I can change it up if need be. I accidentally cheated, and I played a game that is technically newer than I think we normally do a cutoff at. Uh, I've known about it for a while, and I've watched trailers and have been pretty amped to play it. And I think I just assumed that with so many indie games that like, Oh, if it's coming to the switch at this date, that means it's obviously been out on other platforms for like a year or two yeah. and it's coming to the switch. Nope. It like came out to everything on this date. So okay. it came out in March. So it's like a month old. Uh, but technically the guy has been like demoing it and like people have been playing it at like game fests and stuff yeah. since 2017. So, would you like me to talk about this game, or should I put a hold on it and talk about something else? Oh, there's an option to talk about something else. I was going to be like, nope, you can't talk about it. We'll just see everybody next week. Yeah. <laughs> no, you um, want to talk about it. Like, it, Yeah, I mean, we, the whole uh, theme of this is just supposed to be general. If you have a game you've been eyeing for a while, yeah. Yeah, okay, so I think... The bulk of the fun of talking about this with you is going to be trying to explain it, especially if you <laughs> haven't heard of it, because it's really weird uh, and really like it, it's going to be difficult to even explain what the game is if you haven't seen it. OK, okay. so the, the game is called Baba is You. I've Have never you heard, heard of it. Yeah, it's called Baba is You and it's an indie game. I promise I'm going to do something that's not an indie game next week. Okay. It's, it's made by a single guy. Um, I think he is a Finnish uh, indie game developer. Um, and it did come out in March, March 13th, so it's barely a month old. Um, but it's a puzzle game. I, I'm playing it for the Switch, but it's also for uh, like PC, uh, Linux, Mac, etc. Um, but the only like traditional console it's on is the Switch. Okay. And it's a puzzle game with like really simple 8-bit graphics. Um and like 8-bit, like not stylized like old school Nintendo 8-bit graphics. Oh wow. Um and the gameplay is really really strange. So essentially you play as this little dog thing and you move around on like a grid map top-down style kind of like Zelda and it will basically present you with like touching some object on the map. And if you touch it, then you win and then you go to the next level. And it kind of has like an overworld like Mario three or Mario world where like you just kind of keep clicking on levels and then you go in and you play a little puzzle. So there's, so the, can you see the whole map at once or is it like you're exploring like in Zelda? 
Um, you can see the like, whole map at once. So like when I okay. when I use Zelda as an example, it's more just to talk about like when you enter into a puzzle, you're like looking top down. But okay. it's kind of like Mario World if you've ever played Mario World, where like you're a little dude on a map and you just kind of click right and then like you move right and then you land on a little dot and you hit A and then you go into the puzzle and then when you beat it, then you can go to like the next level on this little world map. Okay, so each puzzle, so there's the whole world map like like Super Mario World, and then each puzzle. Is like one single square of like mm-hmm. stuff. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So that's the easy part to explain. Hard okay. part to explain is when you go into a level to play the puzzle, essentially you're just this little dog thing. You move around and you try to touch an object um, that the map will tell you is like the thing to touch. And if you touch it, you win. So it'll be like, you're this little guy and there's a little yellow flag and you just have to move over and touch the yellow flag and then you win. Um, but there'll be obstacles in the way, like there'll be a wall or there'll be like rocks you have to push and stuff and you push them around and then you can get to the flag and then you touch the flag and you win really, really simple. Every game does this, but the weird thing is there's words on the map somewhere that spell out the rules of what all the objects do. So it'll (laughs) say Baba is you, which means Mm -hmm. you're the little dog dog's name is Baba. And then it will say wall is stop, which means that when you try to run into a wall, it stops you. You know, it's a wall, so you can't move past it. It'll say rock is push. So you like can push a rock and it pushes it around when you run into it. However, all the words on the map, you can push around and rearrange to change the behavior of all the objects on the map. Whoa. So (laughs) you could push. It'll say wall is stop and you can push stop to the left. And now the sentence just says wall is. And then you can walk through the walls. The walls don't do anything. Uh, it's just like a texture on the map. Um, you can, it'll, it'll say flag is win. And you can push wall to replace flag. And now it's wall is win. So instead of having to touch the little flag to win, if you touch any wall, you win. Uh, <laughs> you can say, Instead of Baba is you, you can push wall to say wall is you. And then when you move, you move the all the walls on the map at the same time around. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have to touch the flag with any part of the wall, which is now you. <laughs> That's awesome. And, yeah. And so it's just really, really weird. And it starts off with doing like pretty simple things like, oh, the wall is blocking you. So you have to move this thing and now the wall doesn't block you anymore oh the rocks aren't pushable but then you can rearrange the words now they are so you can push them out of the way but they get really really intricate and there's a lot more like it slowly adds more rules like okay now there's water and if you touch the water you sink so like now you have to do stuff like that or like oh hey you can float and if you float you can go over walls but you also go over the thing you have to touch so like how do you and it's, yeah, it, it, I guess it's a tough game to talk about or visualize, but like, it's just so weird and so interesting, but like so simple. And for me, the thing that I've really liked about the game so far is that um, every quote unquote like world, I guess, uh, on the over map. So, you know, you'll go to a world, it'll be like, oh, this one's Hills theme. And there'll be like 10 levels and you play them, whatever. And then you'll go into a little cave and I'll be like, oh, yay, now you're in the little cave and there's 18 more puzzles in this cave. And like because you're in the cave, now it adds like an extra rule or an extra object. And like 
all of a sudden now you have crabs and crabs run around and you can become a crab or you can have the crabs float like and so as you go on it just keeps adding more puzzles and stuff i don't know i think i would love that that sounds awesome yeah and it's i think the thing that you would like about it too um I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong, is it's very easy to play like a couple of these things and then put your switch down. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm into right now because I get two 15-minute breaks at work. So I use that to play games. Yeah, yeah, I think it's like $15, which it does seem a little steep. Um, I don't know, it's always hard to gauge indie games since it's like it's very base-level graphics. Um, it's a game where you could totally just like play it for 15 minutes and put it down. Um, so 15 does seem like I would expect it to be more like $10, mm-hmm. but like, I don't know for $5 difference. What does it really matter? But yeah, I, I don't care about money at this point. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think like, is there a weird puzzle game that you've played in the past like year that like you think is like interesting because it's so weird? Uh, yeah, actually, Actually, that's a good point to talk about this one because I never, I never thought it'd be long enough to episode on it. But did you ever play Seven Billion Humans? No. I think you would like it because it's like a programming-based puzzle game. So the plot of the game is like uh, computers have replaced everything, so we're going to give everyone jobs. But everyone's job is like uh, to be like just a piece of computer code. So you start off with like. Um, all of these office workers on a grid, right? And you type in commands like move down, move down, move down, pick up, uh, give to, if this box number is higher than yours, like you can pick it up. So like you use computer commands. I don't know what uh, programming language that is. Like if this, then this. What Do you know what language that is? Um, Like the actual, if the, I mean like, like if tests and all that kind of stuff is, is pretty much in any programming language. Okay. Yeah. But it's, yeah. it's anything like if the person next to you is holding a box, take, or if the person next to you is not holding a box, give, um, if the mm-hmm. square next to you is empty, move left. And you can keep inputting those commands. Uh, but the thing is like every command you input applies to every human on the board. So you'll have like certain objectives, like you must get the box that, uh, you must take the box that's the highest number and put it here. Or you must put the, arrange these boxes in a certain order. So you have to like input commands that affect everyone on the board, um, but to get them to do this task. So I thought that I was playing that a few months ago. I never beat it, but it was really fun. I thought it was like an interesting puzzle game. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I feel like the classic example for like weird abstract puzzle games is like katamari or at least that's what always like pops into my mind is like by just kind of explaining Mm -hmm. what it is and i Mm -hmm. think the visuals and the music goes a long way to doing that too is like it makes people interested enough to give it a try yeah and i'm hoping that especially since the switch has become like this everybody owns and loves their switches i hope it becomes a game that like does the same thing for a new generation of people who are looking for like a really goofy like really strange puzzle game with a lot of flavor to it yeah it's just like weird and it's weird and satisfying yeah yeah the the one thing i will say for it and i don't know i feel like i'm too optimistic to do legit criticisms for these games but i had a friend who bought it and he bought it 
with the intention. He just went to Japan and he bought it with the intent to like play it on the plane. And he's like, I would get to a puzzle and some of the, some of them get really tricky. Yeah. And he would just be like, yeah, I'd stare at this puzzle for maybe like, I don't know, like a good 15 minutes and I couldn't solve it. And I'd just be like, um, uh, uh, and then I'd go play something else. And I'm like, oh, hmm, I could see that. And it yeah. is kind of nice because like when you're going through this like world, like in, in Mario world, usually you get the option to be like, this is the next level you have to beat. And if you can't beat it, then you can't move on to the next ones. Baba is you. Every time you beat a level, it unlocks two different levels. Um, Yeah. So like there were puzzles where I would get stuck. I'd be like, I don't really know what I'm doing. And I'd quit out and try the other one. And by doing the other one, I would learn something about how the game works. And I'd be like, oh, okay. I bet if I go to this other level and up, yep. And then I'd beat it pretty quick. I love it when games can progress like that, which... Mm -hmm is like what Hollow Knight was, to just throw yeah. in our comparison for the week. Like, oh, I can learn from other parts of the game to apply to the part that I was stuck on. Yeah, and I feel like especially maybe my friend, and I, it's probably a pretty common mentality to have with these types of games, so maybe it'll be a blocker for some people, but I think maybe he has that mentality of like, if I start this puzzle, I really, like, I, I don't want a crutch. I don't want help. Like, I want to be able to sit and and do it like i don't want to quit and try something else or take a 15 minute break and come back like i want to beat the puzzle yeah um and that's totally doable uh there's nothing in the game that's blocking you from doing that and i don't really feel like the game is like coercing the character necessarily to go try something else but like if you can adopt the personality or like the habit of try something and if you're not really getting it maybe go try something else um it's i don't know it's a pretty fun game it's pretty weird (laughs) you're so much better at doing this than me like i just want to play all the games that you that you suggested (laughs) and um um i have a i have a question though about um about this this game so Mm -hmm. is it uh so is each puzzle is there like one solution or are there like multiple different ways to do it i get the impression there's a lot of different ways to do it um Yeah, because again, with like being able to change just about everything and I should clarify, um, you don't get to change every single rule because like in order to rearrange these letters, you have to physically be able to walk your little dog guy up to the letters and push them around. Yeah. And so sometimes like they might be all the way up at the top of the screen, which means you can't push them up. Right. Or you can't get above them to push them down. So, like, you're pretty much, like, Baba is you up at the top. You're not changing that. So, for that puzzle, you're going to be the little dog guy, and you're not going to get to change who you are. Okay, um, that makes sense, because it'd be really hard to, like, make the puzzles intriguing if you could change everything every single time. Yeah, so, like, certain things might be, like, you can change two of the five things, but you can't change all of them. And some of them, like, the puzzle is just, to like, how do I... Not only how do I rearrange the words... So that like they're, you know, I can do some clever solution to, to mm-hmm. win. It's also like, how do I act? Like, how do I rearrange the words physically? Like I like two of them are behind the wall and the wall is stop and I can get to the wall is stop, but I have to be able to do the thing. So like a lot of it is actually physically figuring out how you rearrange the letters. 
and then like being clever about how you rearrange them, which is kind of neat. Um, but even with that being said and certain things being blocked out, uh, I definitely get the impression that there's at least two or three ways to solve every puzzle, which is pretty cool. Yeah. I'm going to probably buy this game as soon as we're done recording. Yeah. It's this short. Is, this it's is like right inexpensive. And one thing that um, I really haven't explored many of the menus, but one thing that I actually kind of like about it is like, it feels like an old school 8-bit Nintendo game, both in its presentation and also in the fact that there's like, n- there's nothing else. There's no achievements. There's no perfecting it. There's no like timer. It, it you just play it. Like there's there's no extra stuff. It's just like here's a map. You click on it. You do a puzzle. That's it. You play it's as a little good, dog. Just guy. a good game. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's no fluff around it, which is cool. They don't have any of that extra like addiction stuff added to it, like achievement. <laughs> Yeah, there's no like progressing. It's not like you've unlocked this rule. Nope. You just load up a puzzle and you do it and then you got to the little world map and you can go do these two other ones if you want. So it's yeah. pretty bare bones. At least I think. I'm not super far yet. There is okay. a system of every level you beat. Um and I guess this is something that you might like too. Uh especially if you're the type of person who likes to like in an RPG go back to a area you previously were and now you have something different so you can unlock that door with this key that you found eight levels you know up here um in the world map there's like these little walls that block these little castles which i get the impression are like i I don't know maybe it's a boss fight maybe it's just like a really tricky puzzle i don't really know but every single time you beat a level you get a little dandelion seed uh and then whenever you get eight of them um you uh, like get a little flower up at the corner of the screen yeah I don't really know if they do anything, but there are these little castle things and they say like, you need three flowers to go to this castle. And it's like, Oh, Hmm. I don't know what this does, but essentially it's saying you need to solve a lot of puzzles before you can try this other puzzle. Maybe. Okay. So I'm curious. So like the reward looks like it might be more game, Mm -hmm. which is, I think what the, what a good reward is. Yeah. And again, maybe we can revisit it next episode, but I'm assuming it's just a way to tell the user like, hey, you have to play the game and kind of like really get your hands dirty and then you can try this thing. So yeah, we're not gonna I don't think do that's hardest, bad. We're not going to let you do the hardest puzzle if you can't yeah. do the easy ones. Exactly. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think that's pretty much all I have. Did you have any questions, comments, concerns? <laughs> yeah. So it's uh, is there any story element involved or just mostly like the puzzles? Um, but I don't think so. <laughs> You're just a little dog guy and you push words around. That's pretty much, yeah. Just just no fluff. Okay, I have that. Yeah, just kind of neat. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Um, Yeah, so I think we can just go into our third segment then. Uh, and I think it would be good for us to just do this periodically. Because uh, a lot of times it's... Because, um, like, I, I finished my game this week, but a lot of times when we're playing these games, we're like, part of the way through it so just going through like what our lasting impression of it was so we can just trade off quickly going through uh the games we've already talked about and what happened to them mm-hmm. uh, so i can start uh the first game i did was kingdom hearts birth by sleep and i think i even mentioned on an episode after that one that i i just ditched it pretty much after the first episode like i think i tried playing through the lilo and stitch level like right after we recorded and the boss was like really annoying and it was 
it was just something like King, like Kingdom Hearts, like where it's fun is the flow. And it was just something I wanted to get through. I kept dying and I finally beat it. And I just felt like I didn't feel like a sense of reward like I do when I've beaten a boss in Sekiro or Hollow Knight or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just felt like, oh God, I'm like a fourth of the way through this game. I'm going to have to do this like 20 more times. I really don't want to do this anymore. So yeah. I just stopped playing it. Yeah, so what was what was your first game again? Um, I think my so we did our first episode. I think it was um Night in the Woods. Yeah. And, oh yeah, it was Night in the Woods. Yeah, and that one I, I finished, like I beat the whole thing and then I talked about it. The other game that I had, and I know we kind of cut it off. So initially on our first episode, we talked about two games each, but it took a long time. So we're like, let's just do one, and we edited out the second two games. Um, did you want me to talk about the second game or should we save it for another episode? Um, I don't even think we, I think we cut that part completely out. Yeah. So I guess we can just talk about the first one or the okay. Night in the Woods. Yeah. Yeah. That one I beat. So I haven't really gone back and done much else with it. I'm trying to think what was the one that I played after that. Did you beat Night in the Woods? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. I actually ended up getting right after that one and i i think i beat it in like two or three days yeah yeah it's it, it was a nice one because it's pretty it's pretty chill um mm-hmm. like it's it's basically just an interactive movie almost with a couple of mini games in it so it was like really relaxing just to like i don't know get a beer and just sit down and just kind of play it yeah so it that, nice. that one was pretty easy to beat my only <laughs> critique on it was that uh i guess between like hanging out with like Greg and B, you get different mini games and different cutscenes, but you can't get all of them. So it's just like, oh, I would have liked to like see the other parts of the game, but I don't want to play through the whole thing again. Yeah, I, the one thing like that I did like about that is while I don't really intend on going and playing through it again anytime soon, like I totally would in the future. Yeah. Like maybe this fall, I'll fire it up and I'll just try playing it again because it's really easy to play. And then I can like go do all the things that I didn't do or whatever. And it's kind of neat. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think, Oh, um, did you want to, did you want to go? Yeah. I'll, I'll let you talk about your other, other one. I was trying to think what I did in episode two. Oh, um, my second game was final fantasy nine. I beat it pretty short. I was like three fourths of the way through it. When we talked about it, I beat it pretty shortly afterwards. Honestly, it's it's still one of my favorite games of all time. Like, I was tearing up, like, a little bit at the ending. And then... This is kind of embarrassing to admit, because it's, like, <laughs> um, almost like almost my favorite game ever. Um, I didn't really notice this, because I last played it, like, 10 years ago. I didn't really notice it in the second playthrough. And this is a huge spoiler. Um, but I didn't realize Vivi dies in the game. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think I might have forgotten about that, too. I, like, either didn't remember or like just didn't know because at the end where it's showing like how everyone's doing it shows like all of his kids like running going to like the final cutscene, and it's like wait where is where's vivi and then you realize like oh the person that's doing the narration over the whole thing is vivi's like we had some great times together i'm gonna miss all of you i'm like oh shit he died <laughs> like his time ran out like i i didn't remember that happening so that was kind of a gut wrencher for me so that was nice that like my favorite game 10 years later can still do that to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah, I don't think I realized that either. Hmm. Yeah, I like, 
I had to even go up online and look like look it up. I was like, did Vivi die? It wasn't like on screen. It was just heavily implied. Um, I guess like in the English version, it's hard to tell because the narrate like the person who's narrating the final cutscene, you're like not sure who it is. But then I guess in the Japanese version, the style of language he used is like something that only Vivi used during the game, so it's really obvious that it's him. But it's oh. just obviously like stuff like that doesn't come through in in our language. So I th- I thought that was pretty cool. That. Okay, I'm gonna aside, but I'll promise I'll make it short. No, that okay. apparently is like a big complaint of what people didn't like about the Persona Five English port. Um, oh, is the the localization? Yeah, specifically around the fact that like you can take snippets of text from like all the different characters and put them up on the screen, and it's really hard for you to tell me which character said it. Whereas yeah. like if you go to like Persona Four or Persona Three it's like very clear from the language of the writing. Um, even in the like, English version? Even in the English version, oh. yeah. Because the localization team was just really good and they, they gave him a lot of time and stuff. Like, it's very easy to tell, like, oh, this is that character because he's the brash, like, no one's the boss of me character and he talks like that all the time. Oh. And, like, this is the goofy bear that lives in the TV that's really happy-go-lucky and kind of childish. And, like, and says, yeah, the writing... <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, the writing is reflected in that. Versus like the cat character that's a burglar and the uptight student president character, like both sort of just talk like normal people all the time. And the voice acting is amazing. So like that adds the flavor that really I think people connect with, which is great. But like if you were to take it on the writing alone, apparently it's like, yeah, they didn't really do a great job of localizing it. Whereas in the Jap- like the Japanese game, they do the same thing where it's like the uptight student character is like always very direct and short in their sentences and the cat is like really goofy and crazy and kind of stupid and silly and but like clever and smart and like that shows up in the writing so i guess that's, that's like that's interesting yeah everyone's like yeah it's a 10 out of 10 rpg but if there's one thing that makes it a 9.5 instead of a 10 it's that the writing like i think the localization team was really really small for it and yeah kind of rushed game. mm-hmm yeah, that's strange because that game right. is so polished. So I, I, that's kind of, I mean, I didn't even like notice any weaknesses of it when I played it. And now that, now that you mentioned it, I'm like, yeah, I guess, I guess that's true. Yeah. That's like, I just remember reading articles when the game first came out, which I wish I didn't because then it made me pay attention to it when I was playing. Yeah. But um, yeah, they're like, most people aren't going to know. And the people who brought it up are people who localize games. So they're like, yeah. Hey, I love this game, but if I'm, if I could be a critique for my jobs industry, like this game didn't get what it deserved, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. Cause I was going to say like, it's, I thought you were going to go into like how maybe just Japanese languages, but that's really interesting. Yeah. I, I, it's been so long since I played persona three that I don't really remember that. Yeah. Cause I think a lot of it was like, it's easy to take the Japanese and like the easiest way to localize it is just directly translate it. So if they say that, train is fast you just make it say the train is fast but like what a good localized person does apparently is like if the person says the train is fast is like really super shy you know they'll do like oh dot 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 that train seems uh really you know what i mean like they make it uh, have a little bit more character in it yeah there's certain instead of just uh, directly translate it yeah there's certain like qualifiers you can add to the end of like japanese sentences like you could say like like to go with like the train is fast. Like you can say like Desne at the end of it. Mm-hmm. And it mean it means like, isn't like the train is fast, isn't it? Versus like 
if you say yo, it's like the train is fast, like you saying it. And they have like these little like language qualifiers and sentences and stuff. So I'm, I'm guessing they have that's like a tool that we don't necessarily have in English. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Did you ever beat mm-hmm. that game? No. I so I'm at a rut as long as we're talking about like games that can maybe sometimes be longer. And since we're trying to do these episodes every two to three weeks. Um, you know, we pick up new games pretty regularly, which has been a really, really great thing this podcast has done for me and playing yeah. some of these games I've wanted to play. But it becomes tough if the games are longer. Like, I've been playing a lot of indie games, and it's been almost specifically because I know that I could really get what I want out of them in that two to three week sprint. Yeah. Versus I, I really want to, the two games that I have that I've never really given due diligence to, but I know are supposed to be great, but they're long are uh persona 5 which i got like probably a little bit more than halfway through but i just never finished it and um horizon zero dawn but i know that they're longer it'll be more difficult to like especially if like i'm i pick up new games after it like hard to really sink my teeth into it but i want to steal myself and like find an excuse to do so um yeah yeah that makes perfect sense i think that's why it's a good idea to do these updates for like especially longer games like Mm -hmm. Final Fantasy nine. I tanked through, but it was still like a 40, 50 hour game. Yeah. Um, Just to give us a, cause otherwise, yeah, we're going to be reviewing a lot of games, which there's a lot of great ones, but I want to like review some bigger ones too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what was, uh, do you have anything left on persona five? I know we kind of just went off on a tangent. Uh, Um, no, nothing other than I know they're coming out with a couple of like, side games for it or like not side games but like they always do the game of the year edition of like persona games yeah um i never played golden for four but i played fes for three yeah, um, me too. yeah and then they just announced her like a few months ago they announced persona 5r which i guess is royal oh did um, you find out what that was they just announced what it was yeah it's yeah. like it basically the same thing right like golden or whatever no it's um, like a dynasty warriors game <laughs> Oh, I think that might be a separate one because they're also S? coming out with Persona Five S. Yeah, that might be what that is. Yeah, yeah. I don't really have much of an interest in that, or like the Neither rhythm games that come out with. <laughs> it was more like people were disappointed uh, that people thought it was going to be for the Switch, and originally, like I found out, like the Joker for Super Smash Brothers announcement happened right after I started playing Five. I was like, oh, maybe I should have waited for the Switch version. Now I'm super glad that I didn't because it looks like there isn't going to be one. Yeah, which is kind of lame because, like, I remember when P- or Persona Three came out for the Vita or the PSP. Yeah. Um, I may I maybe replayed it and got like, I don't know, like a halfway through it, but I thought it was really nice. Like, this is a game that lends itself, even though it's long. Like the style of the game, where it's basically just a dungeon crawler. Yeah. I thought lend itself pretty well to just like playing it for thirty minutes and then stopping. Yeah, there's a lot of little um, things you can do. Yeah, and like if you're not dungeon crawling, you just play a day of basically a dating sim for like five minutes, and it's like okay, that was like really easy to digest. So yeah. it is kind of a shame it's not coming out on the Switch, but eh. But yeah, yeah, the royal one's basically just like the golden and stuff. So it's like I think there's a new character. They have some extra lines. Maybe the story hasn't really changed out. too much. Yeah, but like I think they said there's like a whole other semester you get to play at the end of the game though. So, like, there'll be a little bit extra gameplay, which is pretty cool. 
Yeah, Persona 3 did that, though, and I didn't like that part of the game. It was like 30 yeah. extra hours of just... There wasn't even the socialization aspect. It was just like dungeon crawling and story. Yeah. It was 30 hours. So that's actually like one of the reasons it took me so long to play Persona 5 was because that part of Persona 3 made me so... Like, turned me off so much to it. Yeah. Yeah. But... Uh, yeah, one of these days I'll go back and play it. I I loved every second I played of it. It was great. I feel like it took all the best hits from like the Persona three and four, mm-hmm. and left out a lot of stuff that people probably weren't as into. Um, so yeah, one of these days I'll go finish Persona five. Yeah. Okay. So what was your second game that we talked about? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Well, it'll it'll be very easy to talk about. Uh, it was Dead Space. I ended up just kind of pitter-pattering out of it. I think I played like one or two more chapters and then I just stopped playing it. All right. Um, yeah, it's a great game. It's just one of those things where it's like, I've already played this. Um, you know, I've, I've enjoyed what I've played so far. And I think if it was my first time playing through it, I would have absolutely finished it just because it's, it's great and it would have been new. But I'm like, you know what? I've already played this. There's other things that I'd rather, like new games that I'd rather try to play. I'd rather focus on those that I haven't played yet than like give this another 20, 30 hours. Um, yeah, that makes so sense. I just, I just kind of dropped it, but Dead Space is a great game. Uh, and if people like shooters and like horror games, like I highly recommend playing through the whole thing. I just already played it. So I'm like, eh, That's I'm going to, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, the third game I talked about last time was Stardew Valley. Uh, which I'm still playing, uh, but I think it's gotten more into the the pacing of like where I think it kind of belongs, where I just play it occasionally, maybe once a like a little bit a day or every other day, uh, and I just play other games a little bit more. Like once I've gotten over kind of the the initial and en- enthralling nature of the game, like now it's it's a little more of like a maintenance thing, which I think is where again where it belongs, just because it's like you just do a little stuff every day and you come back later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm like a year a year into it now, and I've I've gotten to the point where I remember when I was talking to you, I was struggling. Now I'm just like I have I get so much money for my chickens every day that I'm just I'm just doing pretty well. Yeah, I feel like once you hit a year, then like in the second year for me, it became more of like I don't really need to do anything else to stay afloat, but like there's stuff to explore or like I can make my farm look really cool or yeah. yeah which yeah, is so now also setting more like goals and stuff instead of just being like, what can I do today? Like, cause I'm limited and now it's just like, what do I feel like doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing I never did either. Or like, I didn't focus on it very much was all the social stuff, but I liked yeah. it. I thought it was a cool idea. Like every time you get a heart or like two or three hearts, you get like a new storyline sequence and there's like, 20 characters or something to get like these storyline sequences for which is yeah, kind of cool i'm trying to do like two or three characters a week in the in the game and not overwhelm myself with like i have to go because they the characters move around a lot so like i'm not i don't want to be like i have to find this person then this person mm-hmm. yeah i will say um i don't know if i met i don't think i did mention this uh i went to pax like two or three years ago yeah and it was it was when stardew valley was still pretty new um and kind of like the big thing that I like to do at those conventions is just kind of like walk around and look at the, like, I really like looking at the, it's hard to call it fan merch, but like the unofficial 
fan merch, I guess. Because yeah. I just think it's cool that like artists will like do a really like they'll spend a lot of time making cool stuff for these games and they're not really getting much out of it unless they can sell a few things. And for this site called Fan Gamer, there's this girl who makes like really pretty, cool, hand drawn. It's hard to call them guidebooks, but they're basically guidebooks. But it's not like, you know, that big giant thing that we had and we'd throw them like on a magazine shelf. It's like a hard cover sleeved book with like 150 pages of completely hand drawn art in it. I would, but like, I would buy that. <laughs> yeah. And like it's done. So like she did a Animal Crossing one, which I bought for Ashley and a Stardew Valley one, which I bought for myself. And I, I got her to sign it, and I thought that was really cool. And it's, like, drawn up to where it basically is, like, a farmer's almanac, but for Stardew Valley. So it has, like, all the characters and, like, where they are at different times in the day and a calendar with, like, all their birthdays and then, like, details about them and, like, what they like and stuff they don't like. And then a little, like, cool, like, little 10 or 10, like, 12 pages of, like, hand-drawing all the crops and, like, when you can buy them and when you grow them and how much they sell for and it was kind of fun because like all of those things, like not knowing where all the people are and stuff. Normally I would either a be like, okay, well I just don't care. Yeah. Um, so I'm not going to worry about it. Or B I would like get out my laptop, open up some wiki where it told me all this stuff, but then it just kind of feels like a disconnect from like the chill immersion. Mm-hmm. But that was solved because I got this really cute, cool, thematic book. <laughs> so I would just flip through this really cute book that I bought for myself. And like, that's how I would look stuff up on that game. And Can you I don't get know. Those online? Yeah, I'll link it to you. Yeah, it's really cool. And the artist is like, I don't know. She's just a really cool person. Um, she also, uh, I don't know if like this is a complete aside and then I'll stop talking about random stuff, but <laughs> she also does um, the art for, they ended up coming out with the soundtrack for Stardew Valley on vinyl. And she like really outdid herself with the art for that too. But yeah, I'll send you a link. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. I definitely want to check that out. Mm-hmm. And then, so the last game that we've talked about was that you talked about last time. Oh yeah. It was, um, Crypt of the Necrodancer, which uh, I played a little bit more of. Um, I think it's kind of the same thing that Stardew Valley. It probably is for you. It's just like a easy to pick up, play a few levels, put it down kind of roguelike game. Yeah. So when, I, when I'm in the mood for that kind of thing, like that has been the game that's kind of scratched that itch. But it's not like a game that I'll sit down and like tell myself I'm going to dedicate an hour or like two hours to like beat quote unquote this game. Um, I did beat it, but like beating the story in a rogue, like usually is like, okay, now I can actually play the game. So like, it's not really like an accomplishment. I don't feel like in, in the sense that like unlocking all the stuff or beating the game with all the characters or like perfecting a run is so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, I think we're about out of time. Uh, do you have anything else you want to add? Um, not necessarily. I, th- I think the one more game update that I have real quick is I'm on the last boss of Sekiro <laughs> and the game does a very good job. And I feel like, especially with RPGs, this is tough, uh, but it's really, really personally appreciated when it happens that the last boss is the hardest boss. Yeah. 
Yeah, I feel like it's been a really long time, even in the Souls games, almost especially in the Souls games, where the last boss is the hardest boss. And Sekiro's last boss, it's almost like a meme how difficult he is. Is the uh, last boss that bull that's on fire? Because <laughs> that's what I'm nope. stuck on right now. I think they did actually. So it's not common or it's not like something to do regularly, but from software does usually push push patches to like balance the game as people are playing it. Um, yeah. And so they like did some stuff to like make certain Shinobi weapons a little bit more balanced. So like you hopefully use all of them. Mm-hmm. And then the only thing that they balanced from like a, uh, I don't know, like a, not the player perspective is they did something to make that boss easier. <laughs> That's good. I think they like modified the hit boxes or made it like take more damage. Cause they're like, yeah, we put this thing in the game and it was supposed to be a mini boss, but like a lot of people, it's like, we didn't mean to tune the game that difficult that early. So like we've, t- we've untuned that boss. <laughs> I fought it like 10 times. I'm like, what am I supposed to do against this? It just always, always coming at me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So but, maybe yep. the, I, so I guess that's what that update was that I just downloaded. Yeah. Um, oh, I guess real briefly. Uh, so thank you again, Mason, so much for putting us on Anchor. Um, so I guess that's probably the only way to listen to this. Right? Uh, download the Anchor app and search New File Old Game, and we're on there. Uh, we are working on a logo right now, um, so hopefully we'll have that up soon. And then Anchor's supposed to try and publish us elsewhere, so... I don't know where else pub- podcasts get published besides like iTunes, but maybe that in the future, just as something to keep an eye out for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So thanks again for doing that. Um, yeah. I think that might be it. Do you have anything else? Um, no, just uh, going to start looking for the next game. All right. Uh, so thanks again for listening. This has been episode four of New File Old Game. I'm AJ Kellogg and here with my friend Mason O'Mara. And our goodbye for this week is please, please come back. I promise I'll change. <laughs> uh, yep. Okay. Bye. <laughs> Later. <laughs>